starting a new sermon series today called Who Is This Jesus? And you even quote that in your testimony. Who is this Jesus? And for, so for Roseanne, Jesus is the one that can deliver you from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Uh, but Jesus will meet you right where you're at. And I just pray that through this series you'll get to know the person Jesus. His divine nature, his character, his teachings, his love, his grace, and his incredible mercy. Because there is nobody like Jesus. Never has been, never will be. And so for me growing up in New Zealand, I grew up not knowing about Jesus. My family didn't go to church. And we didn't do devotions or Bible studies. And in our home you wouldn't find scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11 or a psalm. There was no scripture in our home and no talk about Jesus. And so when I got to 23 and I was invited to a church, I knew nothing. But I was curious. And I went along willing to learn about Christianity and what happens inside a church. But what happened there I didn't expect. What happened when I got to the church is I could, um, I could sense that God was there. I could sense God in the atmosphere. And it intrigued me. And, uh, and I enjoyed the songs and I enjoyed the preaching. It was relevant. But then when he preached the gospel, that Jesus loves us. And he died on the cross for us to reconcile us to a holy God. And, and that we're separated because of our sin. But Jesus died for us. I heart pounded. What actually happened is I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I got to know him as my saviour, my friend. And I've actually devoted my life to actually getting to know him more. And so Jesus has changed me. This church has changed me. The incredible people in, in this church who have discipled me and looked after me and cared for me and taught me about Jesus have changed me. So because of the church, because of Jesus Christ, I am a different person. And I'm a better person. I'm a, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better leader. Better person because of Jesus Christ. So what an amazing question to ask. Why don't you just say, who is this Jesus? Because he will come and meet you where you are. And uh, he will... He will teach you about himself. So the title of today's message is Our Past is No Barrier. Our Past is No Barrier for Jesus. The New Testament, that's the place where we learn about Jesus. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. If you want to know about Jesus, read those. And if you're dedicated to learning more about Jesus Christ, stay in the Gospels. You'll get to know Jesus and he will transform you. But I just think before we get to the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus, let's have a look at the last scripture of the Old Testament. Malachi 4 verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The heart of God is restoration. And that's the word I got for us as a church going into 2021. That God wants to bring restoration. Restoration to family, to marriages, um, to finances, in every area of our life. God wants to bring restoration. And isn't it incredible that the last verse of the Old Testament, before we learn about Jesus, is about restoration. 
God wants to bring restoration. And it's interesting, I got this word at the start of the year and then we came back and after New Year and still on holiday and I thought, well, why don't I uh, strip back our ensuite? I mean, it, it's needed some work done on it for a, a long time. The, the shower, it's dirty, it's grotty, you can't clean it and uh, we needed to replace the shower. But then when you think, well, we're putting in a new shower, we better do something new on the floor because it's getting old and tired. And then we think, well, if we're going to do the, the shower and the floor, then we might as well go do the toilet and the vanity. So what started out as replacing a shower has ended up with a whole ensuite being done. And here's a picture of uh, my handiwork. And that's just stripping it back. And on, and on that picture, I'm just picking up the, the, lifting the floor, there's like a slimline and a lino that's on top of the removed floorboards and it needs to be peeled back and I'm using the spade, I'm using jimmy bars but it's glued down and it's just little piece by little piece as it's coming up. But we get excited when we think about God bringing restoration into our lives, don't we? Oh God, you're going to do a restoration. But actually, God doing some restoration in our lives might look like our ensuite. Before you can put in a new shower, you've got to take the old shower out. Before you can put in the new vanity, you've got to take the old vanity out. Before you can put down the new flooring, you've got to take the old flooring out. And then we think, God, you want to do some restoration in our lives this year. And then we think, oh, God, you want to strip everything back? You want to take all the old away? And if we're anything like this, on sweet, it can mean that we're very empty, yeah. naked, vulnerable, everything peeled back and removed. But it's got to be this way because, as I said, you can't put in the new shower while the old shower is there. So now who's excited about restoration taking place in 2021? <laughs> the stripping back, the pulling back. But you know, before we can get the new, we've got to get rid of the old mindset and the old thinking and the old way and the old habits so that we can embrace the new. But will we trust the master builder? Not me, I'm just a handyman. <laughs> Leave me out of this. Jesus is the master builder and we need to understand that the new is going to look way better than the former. He's got a plan in mind. And uh, if you allow them to do the renovations and the restoration in your life, you can embrace the new knowing that it is better. And the very last verse of the Old Testament is curse. And then God falls silent. It's quite incredible. As I say, we just flick a page. We go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But we also go from B.C. to A.D. And A.D. is a Latin word and I can't pronounce it so I won't try. But A.D. actually means the year of the Lord. Yeah. So we go from before Christ to the year of the Lord. That's quite significant, isn't it? Yeah. That's quite significant as we turn that page. The other thing I want you to understand is that when God finishes with that word curse, he doesn't speak for another 400 years. God falls silent. 
He doesn't speak. There's no prophet. There's no mouthpiece. God is silent for 400 years. And so to put that into relevance today, it's like God, didn't, God hasn't spoken since 1621. That's a long time, isn't it? 400 years. So as you're going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, just know you're going from BC to AD and there's 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. And this is the age of Judaism. They call this, that's what they call this time period. Because God didn't speak, they left it to the interpretation of the Bible scholars and Pharisees to declare the word of the Lord, but it's kind of like they didn't understand God. God has come to liberate, to free, he's full of love and grace and mercy, but they use Old Testament scriptures to enslave people, to keep people bound, to keep people oppressed. And the most oppressed people at this time were women. But Jesus started the movement and was called Women's Lives Matter. It was, ra it was radical at the time. It was amazing. His disciples got on board and Jesus came to bless and empower women and every strong and stable and secure man says, yep, let's empower the woman. Let's empower them to be all that God has called them to be. So, 400 years of silence. We've got the drum roll. What's God going to say? Well, let's go to Matthew 1, verse 1 to 3. What is God going to say after 400 years of silence? Here we go. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron and Hezron begot Ram. And we've got 17 verses of begot, 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 begot. And I'm going to do you a favour and I'm going to do me a favour and I'm going to stop there. <laughs> My pronunciation ain't that good either. So. That's that, 400 years of silence, we enter into a new age and the new season. It's now the year of the Lord. And we've got the lineage of Jesus, the family tree. Now some people love the family tree. My mother loves the family tree. Sometimes she likes to tell me about our family tree. <laughs> I tag on this one. <laughs> but some people love it, and some cultures love history and family tree. And I know for the Maori culture and the Pacific Island cultures, lineage is very, very important. And what we must understand is that lineage is uh, and family tree is so important, important for the people of Israel. And so Matthew is a Jew, and he's and he's preaching to his Jewish audience. Every preacher needs to know his audience, and so we must understand his audience is the Jewish people, and they love their family tree. They love it. They understand it. They get it. And we need to love it and embrace it today as well. Do you know why? Because this family tree is our family tree. As Gentiles, we're grafted into the family. 
So, as heirs of Abraham, this is our history. Are you a little bit more excited now? Yeah. <laughs> and Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, and he is wanting them to see that Jesus is fully the Son of God and the Son of Man. And that through this lineage, he is showing them that he is the fulfillment of over 300 Old Testament prophecies. There is over 300 indicators right there in the lineage that Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man and the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, I'm a pastor and... Sometimes I need to meet with people that I've never met them before. And this is what I will do. I'll stalk them on Facebook. <laughs> Your pastor's a stalker. <laughs> I'll stalk them so that I can see what they look like. And so what I'll do is I'll put in their name. And then some people will come up and then by just using, say, three or four or five indicators, I can find that person. The indicators being their name, their age, their occupation, their wife, their children. I've discovered them. Yeah. You can discover someone with four or five indicators. Here, Matthew is showing the people of Israel, the Jewish people, here, 300 indicators that point to Jesus Christ being the Son of God and the Son of Man. Wow! So good. So good. But what is quite remarkable when you look at the, the lineage of Jesus Christ is that there's five women recorded in those 17 passages of Scripture, which is remarkable. You see, for the Jewish people, their family tree, their lineage, is their resume. It is their curriculum vitae. They loved it. It kind of showed who they were. And what they would do is they would show the best and hide the mess. That also sounds like Facebook. They would show the best, hide the mess. But what's remarkable about the lineage of Jesus Christ and Matthew the author is he, is, he has woman in the lineage because Traditionally, they were the property of men, servants with uneducated and no rights. But Jesus is wanting to see women elevated and honoured through Matthew's writings. Yeah. And so we, we've got that. But what's also remarkable is it's uh, five women without the most noble and best reputations. These women haven't got the best name and reputation. They're a little bit scandalous. But anyway, Matthew is willing to show that. Do you want to know about some of these women? I'm sure you do. The first woman in the lineage of Jesus shown in Matthew is Tamar. And Tamar is widowed twice. That's not good, is it? And then she dresses up as a prostitute and she sleeps with her father-in-law. A little bit gross, isn't it? So right here we have incest. And then we go to Rahab. 
And outside of the genealogy of, of Matthew, she is known as Rahab the prostitute. So she doesn't dress up as a prostitute. She is a prostitute. And the next woman we have is the mother of Solomon and the wife of Uriah. This is Bathsheba. And David, the king, at the time fancied her and called for her and slept with her. And so then we have adultery. So we have incest, fornication, and adultery. And it's all there in the lineage of Jesus Christ. What are you doing, Matthew? You're supposed to hide the mess and show the best. Why is he showing us this? It's quite freeing and liberating, really, isn't it? So in Jesus' family tree, we have incest, we have fornication, we have adultery, we have lies, we have murder, and a teenage pregnancy. And it's all shown for us to see. There's five women, and I'm going to give you five reasons why Jesus would show this in his lineage. And five is the number of grace. What does Jesus' lineage teach us? Number one, our past is no barrier. Number two, God can use anyone. Number three, no one is beyond his grace. Number four, our God can redeem, restore, and heal. And finally, number five, God can overcome whatever troubles that are behind you to achieve the purpose. God can take you from where you are and fit you into his plan and purpose. Through Jesus' family tree, God puts his grace on display. Isn't his grace amazing? He can use anybody. God is reminding us that he can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Pick up the broken pieces and put them together. Take broken lives and make them whole. Gather broken hopes and make them reality. That is the message of Jesus' family tree. Can you stand with me? Our God is the God of restoration. The Old Testament finishes with God's heart being to restore. The New Testament begins with the grace, the mercy, the favor of God and how God can restore and redeem and heal. Our God is amazing. I'm just wondering if you're prepared to say to God today, God, you can do the restoration in my life. God, if you want to strip some things back, peel some things back, Lord, even if I feel empty, vulnerable, and alone, I'm going to allow you to do that. Will that be your prayer today? God, do the restoration of my life. Will you trust the master builder to do and bring about the finished work that he has in mind? Knowing that the new will be better than the former. And maybe today you don't under you're finally getting a revelation of Jesus Christ.
Restoration, that is to redeem and restore mankind to God himself, that he died on the cross. Maybe today you want to give your life over to Jesus Christ and say, God, come in and be Lord of my life. The Bible calls it being born again, born again into the spiritual family of God. You can do that today. And also every Sunday we make prayer available. And maybe there's some people here today, a lot of people here today, you're going to come out and have somebody stand with you and pray with you and release the blessing and favor of God over your life. But are you willing to see the restoration of God take place in your life in 2021? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of restoration. Lord, you have the finished work in mind. And Lord, we do. We allow ourselves, Lord God, to be worked on this year. For things in our life to be pulled back and stripped away. Even if we feel empty and vulnerable, Lord, do your work. We trust the master builder. Lord, we know that you have a plan in mind. And Lord, you're going to uh, bring to pass the things that you desire for us to have in our life. Lord, we do. We declare restoration of families this year. Restoration of parents with children this year. Restoration of finances, of ministry, of work, of hope and dreams to come to pass in 2021. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.